Hello, people. We're back. Keep singing, Jared, so that the uh, copyright police don't shut us down. You got to talk over the top. Baby. Perfect. All right. We're back. We got another episode of the Soccer Dad Pod, not to be confused with all those other Soccer Dad Pods that suck. Unlike ours, right? This one don't suck. No, it doesn't suck. Um, I had somebody the other day like, oh, yeah, I, I think I've heard about it. The soccer dad bod, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, not quite. We have those, but that's not what we feature. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, whatever lovely platform you're on, we got to ask you right out of the gate, would you mind just clicking the follow button? It helps us. It saves the uh, baby turtles. And all those other things, and it keeps you up to date with what we're going to be bringing your way. Which blockbusters. Are blockbusters. Blockbusters. <clears throat> yeah, big time. Big time. Um, quick recap. Last episode, uh, the OGs, three of us, uh, Zach, Jared, and myself, got a little caught up um, uh, here in the middle of this City SC inaugural season, 3-0 and o at this point. We covered that. We talked a little Rainia Gate. Mm. U.S. soccer's just complete and utter disaster that's occurring on the PR side because of a soccer mom. It's always the soccer mom, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> all of my um, issues in life is blamed on the soccer mom I know. <laughs> well, she listens to this. Let me know how that goes whenever okay. uh, she uh, catches up with you there. Um, and we and we brought up uh, a couple new facts. Number one, uh, Apple Plus. If you have that for the MLS season pass, skip over when there's no games on and watch Shrinking. Harrison Ford is phenomenal. Did you did you watch an episode last I night? I have not watched an episode right. last night. Uh, last night I uh, had a bunch of running to do for the travel weekend this weekend. Yep. And uh, just really didn't have any time to watch any tube, but um, I will watch that. Speaking of Apple Plus, um, before I forget to say this, a um, little bit of a Homer uh, personal thing that I have to say. Boys groups came out for 15s and 17s, GA Cup in April at IMG. Yep. Um, groups are phenomenal. The most exciting thing ever for these 15 and 17-year-olds is they're going to air some of those select games right. on that MLS Plus MLS package. I saw that too, and it's you know not only are they um, they've seen the groups. Uh, some of the boys are going to get a chance to play against uh, the likes of Chelsea. Uh, our boys are in a group with Arsenal. Uh, Monterey is there. Um, Club America. Club America. I mean, name Umas it up and down. There, uh, so not only are they going to be able to walk onto the field with those kits across you know the center line, but Apple TV might be sitting in the stands watching. It's just, it's surreal, you know. So uh, give the club teams a follow, too. If you follow STL City Academy, uh, they'll keep you updated on what's going on with the City Academy teams. Um, a couple other just quick uh, programming notes. Uh, don't forget, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Game four this Saturday, uh, downtown. Our friends here at Well Spent Brewery, which is where we're at again tonight, um, Give them a shot. It, 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 number one, it's going to be cold, and I guarantee the furnace will be on here. So, you know, problem one, check. Uh, problem two, parking and logistics, a little tight down there. 
uh, plenty of it down this way, an extra block or two walk. They got you covered. And then, you know, beer, beer and food. They got that. Well, I got to meet Evan um, tonight. Um, what an ace. I mean, that guy's a sweetheart. Oh, he's great. I mean, it's, um, you know, their willingness to continue to support the show and help us out and host us. And, you know, they're great. And, and they've brought in the TVs for the games and they've got uh, discounts for those that are wearing uh, city gear. If you come on game days, I mean, they're really leaning into the soccer community because, you know, look, they're three blocks away from the bright, shiny new toy in town. Uh, and they're going to be a part of that. So, Give them, give them an opportunity. Come down, check it out, have some beers, have some fun. So, it's that time. We're going to start a small drum roll. Just imagine a drum roll in the back of your head because we don't actually have a drum roll ready. Jared's going to try and he's going to break my microphone. Um, we have our guest today. I'm uh, excited. I mean, what? Yeah, no, I, I you did. You, you walked, mean, no, you walked in and you were like, Dude, I didn't know this, 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 and this about our guest. I, I mean, I am willing and able and excited to get educated um, from a family. Um, it's a whole family. It's um, well, I tell why. You, Let's it, just, it, yeah, you go. No, 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 no. I like where you go with this. I'm actually going to tell you, continue doing what you're doing. You get to do the intro today. Okay. Well, I'm no, sorry no I, I took don't, the... Uh, don't sweat. No, no. took the bull by the horns, if you will. Um... <laughs> we have a um, a guest today. Um, uh, without further ado, uh, the, the gentleman's name is Ricardo Garza. He is the owner and proprietor of Club Atletico St. Louis, um, along with his wife Lisa, uh, mom Lisa. I'm sorry, mom Lisa, um, brother. Um, we have. Uh, it's a family affair, is it not? Um, it, it's exciting. Um, you know, I'm not real good at the intros like JB is. Um, <laughs> I'll so fill in the gaps. Uh, uh, St. Louis gonna, native. Yep. Yeah, so he, he, he's going to start moving this down the road a little bit um, because I, I'm interested just to you get shut it up and listen. You want to get it going. Ricky, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Appreciate you coming in. Lager. Yeah, you like that? It's nice. Come on the show. You get a man beverage and man soda. Good. Yeah. It's well, you know, spread the word. We're, we, you know, we don't bite and we provide beer. Yeah. It's a good deal. Um, it, it, legitimately, before you walked in, um, we were doing kind of quick recap. You know, where are we going to go with this? Um, and it was like y- you have a laundry list of topics that are available from uh, philanthropic global endeavors to your your NPSL team that. Is is your bright shiny new toy right now? Uh, your association with uh, Jefferson College and your relationship to the city, your family's relationship to the hill, and uh, all of these things. So why don't you do this? Because we legitimately were confused as to where do we even start. So why don't you give us your your elevator pitch, and then we'll figure out where we're going to go from there. Is that cool? All right. Okay. <laughs> well, um, first of all, yeah, born and raised South St. Louis. Um, have three point five kids. Got th- uh, eleven, eight, six, and in the heart of college preseason, we're gonna have another one. Right on. Uh, Congrats. Yeah. I uh, college uh, coach St. Louis Community College, uh, women and men. Um, I'm an athletic director and a director of soccer for Gateway Legacy Christian Academy. It's the best uh, high school program in the state. Um, 
I uh, have the MPSL U23, and now the Midwest Premier U19 we just bought. Um, and then I also work for a law office two days a week. And, um, yeah, that's so, so those are the areas of my daily life. You're busy. Yeah. So do you, do you, are you like a cereal or a bacon and egg guy or you just like whatever you can get down so you can get out the door and do your thing? Yeah, I'm just trying to get the kids, <laughs> I take the kids to school, so I'm just shoveling under the car, get where they need to go, and then I need to go where I need to go. Do you guys still live down this way? Or you? Uh, now we live in Baldwin. Oh, yeah. okay. So you grew up in the hill. Grew up, yeah. My mom uh, grew up right across uh, Alicia's Pancakes, like right on the hill there in the uh, duplex. Sure. And then uh, I was born and raised down the street by Chris's Pancakes, just just a little right there behind 7-Eleven. Yeah, the Saracenos. Yep. And, yep. and then uh, when I, then I was like 18 or 19, my parents moved to West County. Okay. And then when I came back, obviously I stayed with them and then uh, started coaching at Jefferson after I was done playing college. Did you start that program? Yeah, in 05, with my former head coach, uh, asked me, he says, hey, I'm going to leave, go start a program. Where, where, where was the former head coach at? Uh, he was at East Central. East Central in Union? Back. He was from North County, McClure guy. Okay, Understood. I played for him. I actually played for Pat McBride my first year. Wow. I wasn't going to go to college. Like, no one in my family went, and I was a Bishop DeBerg, South City guy, barely got through playing club soccer, just afford it, trying to afford it. Um, didn't really have that development as a young kid. Uh but if you go back to my house, like five, ten minutes from here, and see the garage, it's like battered because that's all I did was hit the ball yeah. against the garage every day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, finished up college, had no aspiration to go play. Steamers were coming back in 2000. That's when I graduated. So that was my senior year. I made it through all of the tryouts. Um, and then uh, the former coach that just retired from Lafayette a few years ago, uh, Tim Walters. Yep. He pulls me aside. He's like, what are you doing, kid? You're 17 years old. You're about to ruin your career. And uh, he convinced me to go play college. So he calls up Pat McBride and got me a tryout, and Pat signed me the first tryout. Was, Pat, was Pat at East Central? It was at Forest Park. Forest Park. Park Community College. Okay. Yeah. So just played there for a year. My best friend played down at East Central College. They had uh, He was taking a lot more credits than me. I didn't understand the school system. Yep. Um, so I was not a, a NCAA qualifier out of high school. So if you're not an NCAA qualifier back then, you got to graduate. Yeah. Well, I wasn't taking enough credits. I had a full scholarship, but I didn't take enough credits. So that's why I transferred. I loved Pat. The team itself was a little too party for me. They weren't really serious. And I had that mentality. I wanted to go pro. So when I got to college, I was expecting professional level, and my teammates just wanted to party. Where the other school was different. So I Beautiful Sony Union. <laughs> but the players were from like around the world. <laughs> they were uh, different um, types of soccer, you know, and mm -hmm. I felt welcome there. Um, played there, um, and then I went ahead and tried to go pro from then. Okay. And then about a year later, year and a half later, um, I decided to play NEIA here at Harris Stowe. Okay. And then Steve called me, and I had a decision. Um, I was hurt, um, hurt my ankle. So do I finish my senior year, or do I go – a college coach with my former guy who gave me an opportunity as well and i did so it was 2005 we started jefferson uh went to nationals you guys had a lot of success right out of the gate did you know yeah i won nationals second year what what level when you start jefferson um with former coach what level what division where are you at there it's a junior college yeah it's so is it is it just one division junior college yeah, at okay. that time yep there was one division at that time and we rose right away we took over this region 
Um, did, did you, out of the gate, was your squad comprised of regional players, or did you immediately... It was like, it was like well, you were allowed, back then you were allowed to have four internationals, so we had four, three to four. Um, we had where a, did you get those guys from? Just curious. Well, it's it, always it, different each year. Okay. Well, isn't it just the opposite now? Like, teams are limited to only four domestic players? <laughs> you know, That's in the way a lot of these colleges the do now. Like, we don't do that at St. Louis Union College. We, we, we want St. Louis sure. as the core, and then we recruit around it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we won nationals, won everything there was at JUCO. Steve left after four seasons. I took over as head coach State 8. And, state 8? Uh, yeah, nice. State 8 more. Um, and it was more St. Louis recruiting when he left. Okay. Um, more St. Louis heavy. I had relationships with the coaches. We had beaten SIUE when Kalish was there. Kalish calls me up the next day because <laughs> he found out. I, I'm the one that uh, was training the team at the time. And the relationship started there with Kevin. Um, yeah. And we started working together for recruiting. That helped a lot, too. So we became the academy kids from his club that couldn't go, that needed a, a year to develop, or whether it was financial reasons, academic reasons, they would come to us, and then they would bounce out. And that's kind of the reputation happened. Yeah. Nice. I mean, that whole. Uh, I didn't even know that timeline existed. I didn't. Our timeline existed. It's not. Well, that but, I would have yeah, but it. Th- but think about it. I mean, really, what you just described, we lived it at the same time. You know, so many of the players that we played with, uh, really, it came down to academics for most of them. Mm-hmm. When you saw the uh, Merrimax Flow, St. Louis Community. You know that were ripping off national titles back to back to back to back, all that stuff. The state fairs. It it, uh, it, it, yeah. it solved it solved a problem. Only it sounds like you guys were yeah. kind of in that next wave of where you started to see a much larger influx of international players uh, start to permeate. Roger that. A- and then you know, really smart and uh, you know, probably on both guys' parts, Kevin and your own, for the two individuals to start to work together because. Uh, if you did listen to the Lindsay episode, I noticed. I know you mentioned that you you noticed it, but she really brought out the point that the JUCO part of the JUCO role is really managing the expectation of the players that think they are, um, you know, quote better than JUCO, but really helping them path into those larger opportunities uh, from an NCAA standpoint as well as like professional opportunities so yeah i mean it sounds like you kind of hit the nail on the head great timing a lot of talent um timeline correct the timeline you were there as a head coach 2016 okay so took over in 2009 as a head coach. okay so 2008 technically i took over so well let me 16 yeah now let's go back a so, little bit so that i can like overlay some of these circles a little bit how old did you say your oldest was 11 11 okay so you you started your family while down. Were you yeah. living down the way, or were you? Yeah, living? my gr- my wife um, in 2006 is when we started dating. Okay, she was there at nationals when we won. Okay, we weren't, we weren't even uh, like what do you call it monogamous yet. Like so, like we weren't even that that serious at the time. Oh, but I love from it. There this is a, I love when our show goes family. Yeah. So <laughs> at that, so at that time, um, it was over the course of that year. I was had uh, you know I, I I'd given everything that year. The thing is, like, take one step back to the conversation where I had where I wanted to go pro. Like, when I wanted to go pro, like, I was all in since, like, 13, 14 years old. It's like, that was it. And that was because there wasn't a doorway to go to college. So that was never even an option. It was always that. So when I became a coach, I didn't go to Jefferson to be a coach. I saw an opportunity to be around guys that are only a couple years younger than me. Yeah. So I can train with them 
Yeah. While I pursue going pro again. Yeah, look for a That was my honest-to-God reason of why it made sense to go ahead and do that and focus on pro because at the program I was at, the coach wasn't recruiting any good players. I wasted my career. I shouldn't have gone to that school. I should have tried to get my grades up and transfer to NCAA. There wasn't a mentor around me to tell me to do that. Okay. So I go down there, and the first year we go to nationals. Only my job was I knew nothing about recruiting. I knew nothing about the paperwork. I just lived on the field as a coach. And I would just train them, personal train them. We go to nationals. I'm still trying to go pro. I go to the indoor tryout where Precky was helping the comments at the time. I go down there. They, I had a pulled groin. And they're like, come back next year healthy. You're early 20s. You'll make the team. They fold. Um, I end up hurting myself in 2006. I never play soccer again. So the year that we won nationals, I popped my knee and never – not even play rec since. Like not even like high level. All of a sudden, my mindset completely switched from everything to go pro to being a good coach to help other players be better. That's okay. it. Ha- didn't happen until that year, which was also the year I met my now wife. Okay, and it, my whole life changed differently. <clears throat> quick transition, then not a quick transition, a transition. Um, we were going over some of the uh, bio info from the video, you know, and if you're listening, go, go to the club Athletico, uh, webpage, check out the team. The videos are there. Great stories. And the story that I would like you to tell us about, because it sounds as if this is about that time, your, uh, Bolivian and your African experiences in youth development. Number one, how did you end up, you know, connecting with those two particular regions, you know, because y- you kind of, what you just described, you know, you were in a pathway to kind of stay within the region, stay within the coaching ranks, probably get your licenses and move up and realistically go find a club. What, what, what prompted you, what inspired you to go overseas to jump way down into the impoverished Youth World. academies and yeah. start and work with I mean, those how kids. How hard is that? I mean, that's, yeah. that seems near impossible to me. Well, Going to that 26th year, we had won nationals early. So coaches don't even go their whole career winning a national championship. I lost my ring. I would have brought it today if I lost my national championship ring. We moved. Um, I guess that drive was just the players, the developed players, and develop players and help players. Try to try to find people that, like Pat McBride gave me an opportunity. Steve Peck gave me an opportunity. Um, changed my life. So here I am as a coach. And these players, I'm change, helping change their life and stop being selfish at the time of just trying to be pro and everything else in my life needs to go away. Like, I'm just going to go pro. When God took that out of my life, what he put in was serving others. And so me as a coach, I saw an opportunity to recruit kids in St. Louis that need a second chance, that are diamonds surrounded by coal, you know how they say, like diamonds in the rough, you know. And we had a kid from Bolivia in 2006 who came, he could say, the F word in Oreos when he came, and he was a phenomenal player. We won nationals with him. He uh, played for us two years, went on to Lindenwood Belleville, played for Dan Hogan, won nationals with him. So then he goes home in like 2000, 2008, 2007, something like that, and started sending us players from Bolivia. After two years, his life was changed. He owned a marketing company. He was super successful because someone gave him a chance to come to Hillsboro, Missouri, and he was from Santa Cruz, Bolivia. So he starts sending us players like him, which is the same DNA of what I'm trying to do is find people like me. And I try to build a network where people have that surf mentality. 
Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, after a couple of years of doing that, sending us all American players, uh, he says, can you find your friends that are coaches, come to Bolivia, let's do a camp, and let's see how many kids we can help. And that's, so the, I, that's the starting... That started the... Yeah. the so in 2011... Interesting. I brought Dan Hogan. I brought Todd Wallace from Maryville. Um, I brought Michael Porapat. Um, I brought uh, Nathan Mason from William Woods. Call the Missouri area because the vision was, hey, guys, we're all from different divisions. Let's all go over there. Uh, if you can't get him into your school, I got the JUCO opportunity. Let's bring him to mine, then you get him. And that, you know, I was kind of building. Pipeline. Yeah. So we all go over there. Right. It changed everyone's lives, even my own. Um, uh, I kind of knew what to expect, but the other guys really didn't. When we first went in there, all of a sudden, 200-something kids show up at the camp. And we were in a pro, pro, pro uh, stadium. And it was $5 to do the camp. And um, we had to just cover some. Well, he had to cover some cost. Daniel, Daniele. All these kids were doing it. And then all of a sudden, the media, like imagine Sports Center, Fox Sports, like every radio station. The Bolivian me- media. Yeah, yeah. Bolivian media from sports to non sports at the field. At the, we'd be in the <laughs> Did restaurant. Did you just say here. the Ocho? Yeah, the Ocho. Okay. <laughs> They're all around doing a story about these Americans yeah. who are going to bring a Bolivian to America to play soccer and be paid to go to school. They didn't understand the concept of college scholarships. So it was a big media story. We went on in the news, we went on the radio. You guys are heroes. It was a big deal. And they still didn't understand it. We had to have a conference to explain to the families, yep. yes, we pay your child to come to America to get an education and play soccer. And it's funny, when you do these college showcases, one like I did the one Lou Fuse or whatever, and you have people raise their hands and ask you about the majors, ask about this or that, they're just like, does my child get their own bet? Does my child, <laughs> right. do they have... Is uh, there a meal plan? Do they, do they yeah. have, like do where they, they eat this week? Literally, do they have air conditioning? Is it temperature controlled? Is there... Uh, do they have to buy their food? Do you feed them? Uh, it was like life things and nothing to do with the school. It was just I'm on the way of life. So are, I, I think the takeaway here is you're saying that um, American uh, families with collegiate prospects are high maintenance. Is that is that what you're saying? It's just a different world. Oh. Man. You know, <laughs> over there in Bolivia, I had a mother pouring her eyes on the second day. Yeah. Because she had to choose which son to do the camp. It's five dollars. Yeah. U.S. Um, and she chose her youngest. And after the two days of seeing it, hearing us talking, seeing the opportunities, she begged. And I'm like, here, get a jersey. You gave him a jersey. Like, changed their life. She couldn't afford $5 at the time. Um, he goes in there and plays. So the, the first few days, players, not me, but the coaches were fighting about getting the best ones. By the end of the week, we all eliminate the kids who are not eligible and we get to a team of like 40 or 30 kids. We put them up on the whiteboard. And then it becomes, how many kids can we help? This is a draft at this point. Yeah. How can we all put our scholarship together to get as many kids out of the situation hmm. versus fight for it? It was. I mean, that, that sounds like a. Uh, and it was all St. Like Louis a, area guys. How great a, did that a, make a you Brad feel? Pitt, Kevin Costner movie I mean, or something. Todd right? Wallace came up, came up to me in tears. He like pulled me aside. He's like, "This just changed my freaking life." Like this dad just said, like he had prayed, he, he couldn't afford for his kid to do much in life, and I'm I was sent from heaven. Like I'm an angel. Like, dude, you know. Is there any way to quantify how many years did you do this? this I, still- I'm still doing it. It's 2011 when we started it. Okay, so, so we have a, we have over 100. I think years. you should go, Jared. 
You should to experience it. But we've helped over 150 kids come to the St. Louis area. So the number collectively with the other gentlemen that you uh, started it with, Danielle there's probably other women and men that that are also involved now. Other universities. Yeah. Now, now, I mean Niagara meets us in Peru, and you have coaches from LA. We have all we have a big network. So now. it's blew up. So what 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 kind of numbers are we talking about here? You said you've helped 150 kids. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Because okay. we get about a dozen every year that gets signed. Or more. Now we're sending them to high school. I have one at my high school. Try to get them here early. Wow. Yeah. And, so, and so they're just trying to You're making a difference. How, how yeah, did you phenomenal. How did you jump over the pond? You know, because you, that's your South American experience. Because Daniele was from there. Okay. So, so, there was so then you went to Africa. So then, and, someone, okay. uh, so got, then got, got someone's got like, come to Colombia. And the very next year we did that one. Um, we had to call the embassy to come save our lives. We, it was a bad situation in Colombia. We went, uh, we weren't, we weren't safe. Yeah. I brought poor Pat. I brought, there was some funny stories because some of the coaches were scared, and now it was funny to laugh at. At the time, it was not. It was. It was I didn't want to tell my wife yeah. what was going on. See, Jared, scared. you you would thrive in that environment. <laughs> you would you would just crush it because you would walk out there hands up like, come on, brothers. So at the you time, would <laughs> it, I I paid for the thing to 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 try to start Colombia. I wasted nine grand that never got back. And Bolivia, it's something where I never paid for it. They just did it over there. Well, let me, let me ask you this then. Okay, five bucks, kid. You guys are not making money there. Oh, yeah, we don't get anything. Who underwrites this stuff? So Daniele just needs to rent the field, uh, make the jerseys with the numbers so we know who's who, feed the players. And so he gets sponsors, and then they offset the cost with, like, the $5 per kid because there's so many kids that are going to come and try out. Yeah. Now they don't even charge the kids anymore. I mean, yeah, just now up. the sponsorship blew up after that year. And it's tremendous, but COVID killed us. You know, COVID has killed us since. Uh, we haven't had it since COVID yet. But. So then you guys just go over kind of on your own dime, our school, uh, so school yeah, funding. And, and Some schools pay for it. And, yeah. and Daniele pays out of his own marketing company, you know, to help. Okay. Uh, you know, to, to get, if once you got over there, you didn't pay anything. And Daniele's marketing company is located in Bolivia? Yeah, and it's amazing. He basically has, runs uh, small 8v8 soccer tournaments where, like, well-spent brewing would have a team. And they would play other teams, and then at the end of the tournament, they'd win like five hundred bucks or a thousand dollars, which is a lot in Bolivia. Absolutely, it's a lot. Here. And so every every tournament, it was big, and all the businesses, it was a marketing thing for businesses. Right. Wow. Smart. I wish we could do it here. Um, we built a so, facility over there. I can't build one here. Okay. So so I mean, you're you're kind of like, you know, if you map out your uh, soccer strategy, right? <clears throat> your uh, the boxes that you're working in, you're really spread out. Um, I, I eventually come back to realization of coming back to St. Louis and then launching a semi-pro team would be better for the overall good after going out of the country and, and almost not making it home. And Can we Let's listen to that like story that. a yeah. little bit. Can <laughs> we hear about the stories? Is this gorillas? Like, what are we doing here? So there was three, there was three cities, Cartagena, Medellin, and Bogota. Yeah, and uh, I got connected with this girl. Her name was Jessica Hurtado. Um, she was supposedly on the national team. Somehow she so, found me supposedly. through Supposedly, yeah. So uh, she sets it all up. She's got the camp. Are we in Medellin at this point, no, which is the home we were of about Pablo? To go. <laughs> yeah, we get to that point. That's when things went south. Okay. But we end up in Cartagena, and uh, I have to make the leap because we don't have anyone boots on the ground other than Jessica, who's really from New Jersey. I got ripped off from someone in New Jersey. I did not get ripped off from someone in Colombia. Um, so I fund it thousands of dollars, fly her from Europe to, to Cartagena, fly the coaches, everything, because what had happened in Bolivia moved me 
to try to make more differences around the world. So my strategy was to try to go to the worst cities in the world and try to get them into college by way of JUCO if necessary. But we had a plan. We knew how to figure it so, out. So can I ask you an honest question? You, why did you choose cartel country? <laughs> <laughs> she kind of somehow, unfortunately, connected to us. Oh, okay. We go to Cartagena. We go to camp there. It was one of the richest schools in Colombia. Sure. And then all of a sudden, she's asking questions about, um, hey, this family wants to take you on their yacht and talk about going to college. And they base, and she's like, they'll pay you 35 grand if you can get them in the, this Ivy League school or that. I'm like, what the heck did you get us into? Like, no, we're not getting on a boat. We're not doing this. So it started off bad the first day when we finally got over there and realized she's just trying to make money off of these rich people. Yeah. Um, yeah. We somehow navigated through she's that. She's using you camp. as a broker. Yes. And then so we get out of there. We go to the next city. Lost a bunch of money because she never got reimbursed by anybody. Um, and then in Medellin, she had a bunch of actors. So she said she was connected with Club Nacional, which is a professional team over there in Medellin. We go to that I think at Pablo Escobar at one point owned. I'm telling you, this is going to end up on Apple Plus. (laughs) We go over there. When you're done watching Shrinking, we'll watch the Ricky Garza story. So we go over. Now, there was other things that happened before. I guess after the show, we have brains. I'll tell you more detail. But um, we'll keep this PG-13. So... uh, we go to Medellin, and we go to the stadium we're supposed to train at. We're supposed to meet the pro team. We're supposed to meet the coach. We're on the outside of the stadium. The stadium's closed. Oh, it's closed today. They had to close it. We're training on the outside of their grounds. Some guy comes up to us in gear, but it was just she, she bought it. It ended up being she just bought it. And it just faked the whole thing. Um, so then we go to the barrio where they literally say, do not go out of this block. So where this cafe is, don't go past there. Don't go past here. And you see the hills, and, and they said, this is the worst of the worst of the worst. And because you guys are Americans, they take you, you're gone. People haven't seen poverty like this. No. And even the coaches that I was with, even myself, I mean, I had seen a lot in Bolivia, but even I was a little taken back by Medellin. Um, so we're there. We're doing the camp. we got all the players, uh, coaches, and then we start to realize the apartment we're staying is not owned by her uncle. Um, poor Pat, <laughs> the poor guy doesn't want to leave the apartment. Um <clears throat> Things just started to unfold to be fake and be actors, essentially. She started another company like we had and was passing out cards in her company name saying that we work for her. And she was doing deals outside the field while we're in the field just trying to help kids come to America. Like, it was unbelievable. So at the end of the day, you're saying Columbia was a bad idea. Yeah, so uh, there was this, we officially uncovered it when this eight-year-old girl, I'll show you a picture as I'm talking, there's this eight-year-old girl um, comes over to me, and one of the players uh, that I was with, she luckily was from Colombia, and she said, this grandmother thinks that she's paying us $50 to bring her eight-year-old daughter to America, because Jessica said that we're going to bring her to a school, and she's going to become a professional player and become a doctor, and this grandmother was, was thought, who didn't know us, was going to give us Americans $50 and we were going to take her to grandma, like give her granddaughter a better life. That's when we're like, what the heck? And we we approached. Time to boogie. Yeah. Called the embassy. We did. So we told the embassy everything that was going on and they said, you need to come to us. We need to extradite you if you're out of money. I was out of money. So they said, we, we need to extradite you to the United States. Um, I said, can't you get us? We're in the middle of the field. We've been through a lot. We've gone through a lot of other stuff besides this. Um, and they said, is anyone stabbed, hurt or shot? I said, no. Said, well, until that happens, we can't leave the embassy to come get you. <laughs> so, what'd you do? You grabbed a fork and poked <laughs> yeah. another coach. Like, no, he stabbed. <laughs> Time to go. So, clean our dri- me, clean <clears throat> me. So, our driver, uh, <laughs> try to fast forward to this. I know we want to get to this stuff. So, uh, our driver, we paid off our driver $275 to come 
basically at 3 a.m. And we all quietly creaked out of the apartment across Jessica's uh, hall, got into the van and booked it to the airport and flew to Bogota. And we all split off after that. So at the end of the day, again, I'm going to go back to this made for TV movie. Who do you want to play you? Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, someday we'll find it's out. It's going to thing. But poor Pat, who was the most terrified out of everything, ended up when we go to Bogota, one of my alumni is from there. And he's the one that's like, come to my house. We go there. Somehow we get connected with the women's national, U17 national team. And they come to a tryout. And then here we are, the last few Americans that are left. And, and poor Pat was coaching in Louisiana at the time, women. And he ends up signing Columbia national team players because we escaped to the right city. And he ends up, at the end of the day, coming out with some national team players. for his That's brother. awesome. Yeah. Wow. What an unbelievable story. And then that team we then connected with, we brought them here, and they played Jamie Marine in Chesterfield like a couple of years later because of that connection we made. Hmm. And they came to the United States and played them. So, so you're st- you're still traveling? Yeah, uh, in Africa, face, people saw that. Someone from here, from the Latin League, I'm pointing at. No one can see my finger, but I'm pointing over there. Um, a guy from Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. Sure. He wants the same thing to happen, <clears throat> so we flew over and tried. I flew up by myself this time, and I tried to do it in Africa, and it almost worked. Okay. Well, let's get back to the domestic side of things here. Um, you have recently, you're, you know, anybody that follows you, I follow you, I follow the team. Uh, you're really, really pressing the um, uh, the fruition, the start of the new team, the NPSL team, mm-hmm. uh, Club Atletico, and then you you just mentioned the uh, the, the mid or no Midwest no, Premier League. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the U nine that's U nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that don't know, mm-hmm. um, because there's there's a lot of people that are like think they're soccer people and now they are because of city right. but there's a huge gap in the middle of leagues like this let's just go through a quick sure. 101 sure. uh starting with the midwest league first yep. and then let's get to the npsl team tell us um a little bit about the leagues the ages and who the typical players are where you're playing the stadiums things like that let's try out sure. yeah. yeah we get them the team essentially is is to fill the void in the summer when clubs are kind of technically shut down for a little while so the season starts in mid-may and runs to the end of july this way it doesn't compete with college spring and college preseason as well as high school sports so we decided to add the second team so that we can now go from 16 to 26 years old we wanted to have a developmental plan for mm-hmm. post you typical u18 club and pre-professional. So now that's why we invested in the second team and we, the whole vision there is 16 to 26 year olds. So U19 can have 16 to 21, technically can play that group. And then for, it doesn't matter how young you are, but it goes up to 26 on the U23s. Are you okay. recruiting? Um, are, are you recruiting at that first team age to try to get them in the program for people that you, that your staff you feel like fits so your what mold? We, so the whole thing is, relationships so i sent an email to every high school coach in the area of, of what it is i gave them a, a printout a sheet a pyramid explain how it was going to work and anyone that they felt would be a good qualifier what we don't want to do is have a thousand kids come out and try out and then you got to cut everybody up we just wanted to already go to the source sure we do the same thing for colleges like kalish kale over at saue corn at Maryville. they just give us the two or three or four that are going to be in st louis that they want to play and it avoids the big open tryout. So we, the, by doing that, 
I can then call back Fox. Like Fox High School actually sent us two quality players that are seniors in high school. I can call back Nathan Niehaus and be like, hey, those guys were great. Now let me know if you have someone at that level next year. Okay. It saves the process. That's just how I recruit, too. So, so okay. That makes sense. Are they, yeah. are they pro? No, um, semi-pro. We can't <clears throat> play them. Pain. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, to get them ready for that level. If they for the Midwest ready. team. Both. Both teams are semi-pro. Semi okay. Now, see, I yeah, I did it. I did enough homework yeah. to be dangerous, but you're filling in the gaps. Yeah, NPSL <laughs> is national, so there's like a, about a hundred teams in the nation. Okay, we make up of the Midwest Conf uh, Gateway Conference, the Midwest, and then the Midwest Premier League has about eighty teams only in the Midwest. What What is okay? So we kind of know the landscape of um, the the national clubs that are out there. Academy, the, yeah, the, the academy, academy clubs, clubs, or even the the the, the MLS Next clubs, or the the, just the, the clubs that have the, the landscape of what we got going on here directly in our country. You know, a college-age kid that comes into SIU Edwardsville, um, I looked at your roster. There's a kid from Dominic, the uh, Gatorade player, Jack Carolzak, uh, if I'm saying his last name right. Yeah, he played so, last year. So it makes sense he lives here. Like, so you have a kid that is enrolled at a college, playing for a college, redshirting, playing, getting minutes, starter, don't matter. He stays here for the summer. He or she, he stays here for the summer. What, what is the perk to have them stay here and play for you in the summertime, then go home and play for the club that they came from or some sort of organization in their hometown? Well, do you provide a like cost of living? Do you? Well, ninety-eight percent of everyone's from St. Louis. Okay. Okay. A small. There's a small group that are not that happen to come here to play college and they want to stay and they work out their own housing. Okay. They work out the housing. Okay. So, like in in, in a situation, you know, uh, a couple decades ago, a lot of the college kids would. In the summertime, they would go play for A-League teams like the Des Moines Menace, mm -hmm. you know, and then they would come in and because of the NCAA rules, they wouldn't, you know, like I played for the Menace. So, I, you know, I went there during college, but I, I couldn't, you know, they didn't pay me. They just, mm -hmm. just gave me a place to stay. <laughs> they paid you to go away. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, that's my question is, so these kids are local. Yeah. They come to you in the off season. Yeah. They're still getting touches. It's competitive touching. Very it's good coaching. Yeah. It's they're getting game minutes yep. um, against other like-minded ages, like yep. you know. Okay. Yeah, and and the and the benefit of it, like as you're a collegiate player, you need to keep your rhythm going through the summer. You lose it. Fitness and just running isn't enough. So that's where it became this void to fill. But for me, it was also a platform to do other things that we were doing. Our vision wasn't just to make this semi-pro team and be an amateur team. It was to eventually build a stadium, build their funds, launch a free club, and use our funds to help around the world. So let me just real quick brass tacks then. Um, players aren't paid. Uh, you clearly have to pay for uh, training facilities, everything. You have these games. Um, Refs. Yeah, where, where, where does the support come from? Is it self-funded, or do you this have sponsors? or is family, it like... Uh, Originally, we had three owners, including myself, the first year. Then they were going to fold after that. My family stepped in and said, this is something that fits in with your whole what you believe in. It's more than just a game. And so they helped me with the infrastructure. Um, awesome. Last couple of seasons, it's just out of my check. All those jobs I mentioned in the beginning of the show, part of that income has to fill the void of not having sponsors. The players pay a little bit. It helps a little bit. But it's like a twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 hit every summer. 
and we probably just cover the overhead. Yeah, we probably cover about because travel. I mean, travel is probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah, if it's a re- you know well fairly large actually is one of the biggest ones. Okay, is, Got it. is renting the field to train. If we had okay. a club partner that said, "Hey, train for free," oh my gosh, you're, it would slash your budget by so much. So okay, so then um, these guys are. You know, getting the additional training, staying competitive. Um. For the 23s, that's the porpoise. For the 19s, was a little different. I'm not trying to get the DA, you know, academy kids. I'm not trying to get the MLS Next Pro kids. I'm trying to get the kids that need the second chance, that don't play on the premier team in the summer, that don't go deep in the state cup and have that new 19 of development by playing with older players who are already at the level they want to be, which is college. So everyone from 16 to 26 trains together. And... You have a core team on the 23s. Maybe 20 of my 30 guys are there. And on the 19, maybe 20 of the 30 are there. But 10 of each swap up and down. Okay. We want to bring the young guys up to play. That's the only way you develop. You have to play above your level. And on the olders, well, if I'm out this week, I want to go get minutes. They go down, and just by playing, raises the level of the youngsters. So now we have the full system. So you had mentioned that the 19s, because I'm curious, they're in the MRL? Is that right? The Midwest Regional League? Is it, No, it's called the Midwest Premier League. It's a semi-pro league. Midwest Premier League, and it's an under-19 level. No, it's actually – we're the only team that's doing U19 in the entire country, Okay, the entire Midwest. So who, Everyone who else are is you just, playing against? Does anybody locally have a team in that league? No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, actually, yes. Um, there's, there is a team. I'm forgetting. I'm mixing the leagues up. So, Ajax has a team. Okay. Kansas City has a team. Okay. Three teams in Iowa um, are in that. Are in that, and then I'm missing some states. So, Ajax is the the, the the club ran by the Bokerns, correct? Yep. Okay, and then the Iowa teams are they like the sporting teams or the Kansas City team? Who who, who are they? Have any affiliation? Just owners. They just own it, and that's okay. all they do is okay. they run their team. Okay. You guys hear it? I did. It's refill time. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Ricky, thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to keep you on here in a second. We're going to get you uh, topped off. Uh, We're going to dig into a little bit of the the pedigree, a little bit of the hill side of the story, too. We're going to move it around a little bit, if you don't mind. You cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jared. Heck yeah. I'll see you on the flip side. Hey everyone, JB here with the Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors. Really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. We're back. Little Beck. You guys like Beck? Yeah. Little bounce. You got refills down here at Well Spent. Um, we're sitting down chatting with Ricky Garza, St. Louis native from the Hill. Um, father of three and a half. Uh, world traveler. Uh, cartel Dodger. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> athletic director. You kind of remind me of the guy that's in the uh, the Chevy truck commercial, where you you know what I'm talking about, where neighbors come over and they moved in and he's by his truck and they're like, oh hi, what do you do? And he goes. Well, and he stares into the sky, and then it's a million things, you know, pop through. You're one of those guys. You get a little bit of everything. Hopefully, eventually, I won't. A man of many hats. I yeah. have to because I couldn't do all of them. I have to do all every one part time. If one of them was full time, the other three would be eliminated. So you're saying you have occupational ADD? And I'm home for dinner at five five thirty every night. Ooh, how'd you get away with it tonight? Because everything. Oh, tonight. I gotta pick up dinner on the way home. What's, what, what is, what's your what's the best thing your wife cooks? Um, or well, that you cook? No, I just grill. I don't cook. Uh, Sounds like you. Yeah. No, I cook. I just grill. Yeah. No, I do it all. So I would say uh, lasagna because my mom taught her our family recipe. Oh. So now, right now, can I get a little bit of that? Yeah. All right. Here we go. We're gonna have a party. We're gonna have Ricky bring us. Well, I'd like to just have the recipe. <laughs> Oh, or the party too. I'm. I'm, I'm yeah, we, we're gonna throw a party. We're gonna make. Me, um, you know what? I'm glad you brought it up that way because you have uh, a family that's got a deep, deep pedigree in the game uh, from the hill. Yeah. Um, Jared came in today, and one of the first things you said to me was like, "Dude, did you know that Frank Borgia says that his yeah. grandfather is like uh, the what was the quote? Is that yeah, the way? Borzilla, yeah. Borzilla. So your no, mom, but, but who said it though? Frank, Frank Borgi, I think. Borgie. Right, Borgi told um, me and my mom. You and your mom that his dad was one, if not the best player he ever played with. Yeah, was this before Frank's, the Huntington? Uh, yeah. So Frank's uh, funeral home was right across from where my mom grew up and my grandpa and all of that. So they were friends forever. My grandpa played with Simpkins. He played with Kudis. He played with, uh, there's another club that he played with, but he played with Periani. He played with Colombo. He played with those guys that were on the 1950s team. But he was in the war during the World Cup. You know, he was in Korea. And oh, really? He was over there, so he missed the opportunity. So he was another ringer, but was yeah. not part of it because of. He would have been our service. sixth starter. <clears throat> yeah. He would have been number six on the starting line, and we had seven on the bench that never came off. Yeah, and I didn't. And that's where my blood soccer comes from because I don't know other than my uncle, my dad's brother. My dad never played. His his brothers didn't play except one. So my grandpa Nick is the blood that comes down, and I named my son Nico after him. Oh, that's awesome, dude. So at, growing up around the game, um, you know, did, did, did at what point did you have like a realization as to how important he was, uh, you know, within the neighborhood, within the soccer community. Well, fortunately, I was in kindergarten when he passed away because he had Huntington's, and so he was in his mid-50s when he passed. My uncle just passed from Huntington's. He was in his mid-50s when he passed. Um, so far, I don't haven't shown any signs to have it, um, but it's in our bloodstream, so it's it's hereditary. It passes down generation to generation, and it, it, will, it can skip. That's so great. it's one of the things where you start to break down mentally. Your brain starts to break down, like late 40s, um, and you you lose your muscle uh, ability, and eventually, you know, all, all your muscles go, your mind goes a little bit, and you just accelerate really quick, like in seven years. And that's effing terrible. You pass. So Golly. so <clears throat> that happened. Uncle, I mean, they were so athletic, and then to see them. Uh, well, I can't really don't have a lot of memories of my grandpa, but my. But I know how he was because I'm, I just lost my amazing uncle Dan, and seeing him in the home, who was an amazing superior athlete, 
all of a sudden not have any use of his muscles and can't feed, can't eat, can't chew, can't control his tongue. You know, it's it's a sad disease to have, especially if you're athletic. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, sorry, so really sorry to hear that. our whole family. Brother. Because yeah. my mom is the one. If my mom had it, I would have it. But she doesn't have it. So I think it's going to skip her, which means it skips me, which means it skips all of my kids. Thank God. That's awesome. In the clear. Yeah. Yep. But, we, but she has cousins who would hit. Right okay. Now. Is there a, is there a uh, like an active um, at a certain age you guys go in for screening? We were scared to. Okay. My cousins did when they were little. They got a blood test, but okay. my mom didn't want okay. to because she lived through that. Yeah. So so you, so you don't know. We don't know. Well, best uh, clear. I'm I'm 40, so I have five years to. If I at 45, if I have no symptoms, I'm good. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Well, so. I, I, I want to go back a little bit to your grandpa and kind of, um, y- you know, sitting around with family after he had passed. Uh, you, you get into the game. Yeah. Your family loves the game. He had a relationship with the game that was on another level, you know, with, with the people that he knew and grew up with and the club teams, et cetera, et cetera. When, when, did, it, when did it set in for you that it was like he was special? You know that him and his friends and yeah. what they did, I think a- I, as it relates to the city. Yeah, no. I, I, when I was, I guess, my son's age, who's in fifth grade now, and you had to start writing and do presentations for class. Mm-hmm. I did a story about him, and that's when I got to learn more about him, and I got to tell his story and have all the the the, the printout newspapers of him with all the teams, yeah. and all that. And at that time, I didn't know the Colombo. I didn't know who that necessarily was when I was young. I started. I did marketing for the Hill for like four years recently, um, and I obviously knew as I was in high school and understood the Hill was the mecca for soccer back then in those times. Right. And Barra Park mm-hmm. and uh, all the players that <laughs> ba- came through ba- Wednesday night old men's league. Yeah, and you know, all that <laughs> Turkey Bowl and right. all those leagues. Um, so uh, over time, I just knew and learned about it. Saw the Hall of Fame. I'm like, wow, there's my grandpa. Is in the like in the St. Louis Hall of Fame. My grandpa's in the picture. You play with all them guys. He's in the photo with Garajola. You know, yeah, like, all them guys. I mean, he's on the on. team. I'm like, oh, he's there. So, well, I'll but, tell you what. Go but, ahead. You go ahead, JB. Go ahead. No, no, no. But, you, I, you had but the problem is, since he died, we I never got to know the players that he played with or met their kids or their grandkids. So there's a huge disconnect between the Brazilos and all those other families. Do you know Jim Leaker? Yeah. Okay, he'd be an awesome yeah, no. guy. Dave, to, uh, I Dave. gave him, yeah, we talked about it. I, yeah, Dave, came, yeah, we, we D- Dave Lang, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. from a writer. So I, yeah. I bet he, he... Dave knows. I gave him printouts and stuff. That's oh, awesome. That cool. That's awesome because well, you... Well, let me... Sorry, go ahead, finish. No, you go ahead. I, I'm ready. I'm totally ready. To well, I was, gonna, I was just going to I was gonna take another direction, but if you're going down this road... Do no, no, no. Well, a, a little bit. I want to take this just a little bit curve to the right here. Um and I've said this a couple times and I don't want to sound repetitive, but we really, we weren't sure where we were going to go in this conversation. We knew that you had a lot of things to talk about, but we didn't understand the connectivity and we're starting to figure it out in real time and, you know, concur or cut in here if you don't mind. Here's my question for you because St. Louis is the ultimate, what high school did you go to? City, right? Right. The soccer community I would argue is worse than than just uh, being a, a normal kid saying, "Well, I'm I'm a I'm Jennings versus a Granite versus Slew kid or whatever." You know, you you kind of are 
shame on me, shame on us, maybe, we, that we didn't know more about you personally, uh, the teams that you work with, the programs that you deal in. Um, your mother, your grandfather. I mean, and, and, and here's where I'm going with this. Where do you feel that you're, where, where, where do you fit in the current landscape of St. Louis soccer, which as you well know, it's in your bloodline yeah. that it's a huge foundational system. Where do, where do you fit right now with everything that you're doing? I think I'm a chameleon. I think I'm a St. Louis chameleon that can blend in and different. In the club world, the college world, the, the the old the old OGs of soccer world, I played with the De Gregorios and all those guys that played at SLU that won those national championships. I would play with them in the CYC league, but I was 19, 20. But none of them knew who I was or who my like. I was I've, I've basically been, even though I've been playing on the field, I feel I was always on the sideline of every level in St. Louis soccer. Can, can I just say that it's like th- this whole movie reference, you know, with your lived experience and the story you just told about your grandfather and how he missed the, you know, being on that 50 team. It sounds to me because what we, the little bit of research we did, he was a ringer. He, realistically, he would have, he would have been on that because team. Because of the name that probably would have catapulted who I was just because of him, but it didn't. And now I'm just going through and through natural way of life where God is my the one with have it ring, you know my ship I'm just serving kids and along the way hoping that life changed for them and I no longer do things for the 40 year old Ricky Garza I'm trying to do something for my 11 year old Nico and I'm hoping that by the time he is 20 25 he inherits something that I'm building that's phenomenal Take this, uh, another thing that just doing a little bit of surfing around on your website, your mom, you guys, your staff, the videos, um, you guys are big into community. Um, You can tell from the jump that uh, community is extremely important to your family and club Atletico, and you guys lead with community first. Um, What current things are you doing in the community? Um, I think your mom referenced um, you guys do something with um, um, helping the less fortunate with shoes. Um, that, that, that's kind of a yearly thing that you guys are involved in. Um, tell our listeners um, and hopefully our new listeners that you bring on board, um, what is Club Athletico currently uh, doing right now in our community? So, we, um, you know, serving the less fortunate kids who don't, can't pay for soccer. We want to. We serve those kids. We come out and do things, but on top of that, we want to try to be stewards of their life and kind of be a mentor and kind of lead them in. That's kind of why I still hold on to the JUCO job. Is the kids in that lifestyle can't go to the four-year university kind right. of thing, and the way that we kind of live is showing, hey, we're color of color, but we represent all minorities international everything and that's kind of where we feel as a family is to show anyone can do it that that america is for everyone and we are the only latino minority owned team in the midwest you know or definitely st louis and we're trying to make a difference with that so we partner with nonprofits organizations we partner with the hispanic chamber of commerce um where Use our platform to come out if you're making change for the community. And then, like, our players, myself, my family, we come out. We'll do stuff with like, the History Museum. does all kinds of awesome stuff 
and we go out and and that's where we are is we're kind of look at it like a team. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, it's not about what Atletico is doing and I want to join them. What we focus on is actually try to find other amazing people outside of soccer that are doing stuff. And we just want to come along and be a part of that and bring more awareness of what you're doing because our social media is big. And so that's how we got into the anti-human trafficking here in St. Louis because of our social media. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's I, I love that. And I love that. And I feel as if to a degree like we are living living that kind of through this show as well, because here's the reality of the game. We can get in the weeds and we can get into stats and we can get into teams and we can get into all that stuff. But I think that what we really strive for in these communicate in, in these conversations, excuse me, is that it, because the human element of what you're doing is going to make it a hell of a lot easier for people to engage and be interested in Club Atletico and look into NPSL and a potential parent listening. Like, you know, I have that 16 year old son that isn't on the academy team, but is super athletic, and you know, I want to give him opportunity, like. They would want to. He work, needs this. They would want to do well, but they would want to do it with good people, you know. As parents, that's really what our job is to put them in an environment in which they can succeed, yeah. thrive, and they're protected by people that have great intention. We don't market what we're doing. When we go out, we don't do it for the photo. We don't do it for the op. We want you to see us on that nonprofit's social media. We want you to see a mom and dad who went to this event. And what is the soccer team doing there? We want our branding to be someone else's branding, yep. someone else's event. We don't want it to put, oh, we gave away shoes. Here's a photo. That's not what we are. We are on the sideline serving the kids, the organizations that are playing. We're on the sideline. We're, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with being behind here, carrying stuff, doing it. I don't need the recognition because – I just don't need it. And, and by doing that, God is providing, he's providing a family, he's providing the finances for me. How could I have three or four different part-time jobs provide for a family of potential six? It's because we're serving. So, like, for me, God is my motivator. Um, but what we do, we're making change, and we're, and we're doing something for the good. So if I get involved with it, and you see Ricky Garza's name on it, those people, that event is because it serves others. It's not for picture or banner or whatever, you know. And well, I think that's a little different in the sports marketing in the area, too, is that's, that's what we're about. And my faith makes me feel like when I lose 15 grand a year on Atletico, sometimes 20, is eventually someone hopefully maybe will see, and they don't want to have the front. They just want to say, here's a check. Let's build a stadium. You have the platform. Do what you want to do, and then give all that money away because that's, that's our business plan. We gave it to Midwest Bank. Here's what we want to do. We want to give away a million dollars. Here's our business plan. Here's how we're going to do it. But we can't get a guarantor. We can't get someone that has the finances to give us the guarantor to get the loan to get the stadium. It's a $3 million stadium, but it essentially would give away half a million to a million dollars a year to the city. Do you have the land? We we did. Okay. And right now I think we're thinking about Hazelwood, uh, an industrial area. Okay. But we're not limited. We can go anywhere essentially because the stadium is not that big. Um, Understood. It could be anywhere, but it's in God's timing. It's in the community's timing, and we've never done a big push. But we almost sold the team. You know, I'm here on the show. We're talking about the 19s. We're talking about the 23s. Six months ago, I almost sold everything. It was hard. It was a hard decision. It was like, is this going to kill my family to go another year financially? And somehow the league restructured the conference. We don't have to travel as far. We save money. Um, 
opportunities came for me to coach women's soccer, have a little extra income, something that I wanted to do anyway that just fell on my lap. I wasn't looking yeah. for it. And that was enough science for me to say, I can't give this thing away. So we instead I re, I invested more you money. Double down. Double down. <laughs> you know Well, I can tell you this. I walked into uh, my uh, boardroom the other day. You know where that's at, Jared? Uh, your shitter. Uh, no, no, no. That's the conference room. The uh. boardroom <laughs> is, is Amsterdam. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, so, so I immediately noticed uh, Billy Holly had one of your kits on. Oh yeah. Yeah, And I'm like, hey, Billy, you know Ricky? He goes, yeah. He goes, Look, I got the jersey. So <laughs> I'm only bringing that up because it's like people know. Well, you know? here's the deal. Like we're sitting here, and this is a um, an audio podcast. Um, I'm looking at you in your eye. JB is looking at you in your eye. Um, and this is emotional for you. Um, you you're not faking this shit. Um, kudos to you. Kudos to your family. Um, I had no idea that St. Louis was ranked 10th on human trafficking. I mean, that's unbelievable. Like, yeah. I, I mean, that is yeah. that's petrifying. I mean, because of the, the the corridor, the highway corridor. Yeah. And so all the other cities are the are were our opponents in our conference. You got Kansas, you got Kansas City. You have uh, Springfield. It's because of the highway system. Yeah. So St. Louis is the heart. So you can get off any highway, get in a hotel, get your kids, um, and get them out and go to the next city. It's 55, man. New Orleans, we thought, we New Orleans thought, to Chicago. We partnered with Wash U. Wash U created the Human Trafficking Coalition Network. Yeah. They marketed to medical professionals on how to identify and all of that. Then the founder reached out. We got cross-connected because of my media company. We got cross-connected, and they said, hey, we don't have a way to get out outside of the medical, and that's why we partner. So we could get content out in a whole other community, and since we're out in different communities and different dialects and different languages, it could get to the masses. And then COVID kind of hit and slowed some stuff down. Yeah. But our goal is to get people trained up, go to clubs. It's in your clubs. It's in your biggest club in St. Louis. It's in. It's all over. Kids are – don't think it's, uh, oh, a kid gets kidnapped and is taken. No. There's a kid living – that knows your kid whose uncle, brother, friend, whatever is doing trafficking somebody, but it doesn't mean that they leave their house. They go to school, get picked up, do their thing, drop off. You never knew it happened. I mean, that's the stories that I know of, like actual case studies. It hurt. I didn't take a mental break from it. Um, This is in Kirkwood. This is in Chesterfield. It's so everywhere. It surrounds us everywhere. We accidentally stumbled upon it, I, and then we just have never let it go. Well, thanks for um, bringing that um, light, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, to the topic. To, yeah, to the topic. So we used to want to go to high, to school. Sorry to interrupt, but we we used to try to go to schools to do soccer camps to try to grow our soccer. Then when we learned about that, and my mom and I would once get trained on it, then it changed everything. Then we went to like Bush Middle School, for example, behind Bishop DeBerg. Mm-hmm. Change it said we don't want your soccer players. We don't want people that want soccer. Who are the kids that sit by themselves at the cafeteria who get picked on, who are kind of bullied, that don't have friends? Because those are the those are the ones that most risk yeah. to be abused, to be trafficked. Yeah. So then it became a situation where okay, how can we just build confidence through soccer? And so little Billy or Jeanette all of a sudden has twenty year old college kids coming in, giving high fives, building their confidence up. That stops potential traffic. Yep. Nice. Well, good. Nice. Good on you, man. 
That's good on you and your family and the club. Change it up a little bit um, because the hot topic around here, you live here, you're from St. Louis. We, we, we have to talk about your excitement, your family's excitement, what's going on three and a half blocks down from here, our start. Um, talk about how excited are you, um, uh, Club America's coming here. What does that mean? Are you going to that game? Just, just spitball um, the last month of games or the lead up to what's going on with uh, what we got going on in our climate, soccer-specific profession. City SC. Yeah. Um, when, um, uh, when basically they hired uh, the sporting director and he came in and, um, you know, we got to meet him, we got to have breakfast with him. Um, he was looking for people to be involved with City. Um, and and uh, Vinco connected us and my mom, my brother, myself, we sat there with Twelman and, um, uh, and their whole group and – LP. Uh, yeah. LP. He, he, LP because, yeah, because yeah. we can't pronounce his name. That's why I don't want to try. <laughs> LP. I'm, LP. I'm going around hey, his name yeah. right now. Mr. So, LP. <laughs> your, your big social media reach when you share this thing, yeah. it's LP right. when we talk about Good, good. Yeah. L- lots, loots. Yeah, loot. we just talked about, you know, we hit all the different communities and been coaching all the time. And um, there was a little bit of a, of a heart tug. Didn't get a second meeting or anything because I really believe in what they're doing. Um, you know, I, we had talked about, hey, we could do the outreach for you. We could do some soccer for you, whatever. I think we could be a part of that. Uh, we never did, but so now we're just on the outside watching as a fan, um, and it's exciting getting St. Louis team doing well. Well, I, well I, think, I, think, I think, too. I mean, you've been around the game a long time. Yeah. We've been around the game our whole lives as well. The reality is you look at what they're doing. This is not a 12-month you know, no, business model. No, no, no. This is this is 10, 15, 20 year yeah, yeah. strategy. No, yeah, I mean, he had told us during that breakfast. Yeah. He said, you know, the type of player he's looking for specifically, and the style they're going to play specifically. I'm going to guess big, fast, it. high press, play through the middle. Yeah, he, he doesn't want ticky tock kind of players. He wants yeah. to get it up fast, <laughs> press for basically chaos, and that's what they're doing. And they're getting results doing it. And they're and uh, they're also going after like what I respect. The the, un, the the next level down, like the guy that isn't the the main. Right. Like, oh, we talked about how Club Atletico wants the next kid who needs the chance. That's kind of what City is doing with some of these internationals that they're signing. They're not yeah. signing big names. They're no, signing. because all the guys that they did sign, the European players in particular. Hello, yeah. yeah, and they work hard and they they want the opportunity and that's they I they, get they it. all had like low to no stats mm-hmm. in their leagues in in their careers. Is that uh, a financial thing too? A little bit. I mean, is there a little bit of well, give and take financially there? I mean, obviously, if we're I calling mean, a spade a spade. Yeah, I mean, if they don't, if they don't have a lot of statistics, then you're not going to toss them the boat, you know, with the contract. I get it. I get you know, it. If you go with a big contract and blow it. So know. if you're the owner, you're like, this dude is rocking because he's spending my money, he's getting results and quality, and he hasn't given the farm up per se. You know what I would love to see, and I'm sure it's out there. We should probably talk to some of our friends on these other shows. I would love to see where we fall in kind of team payroll. You know, because it, it, take Berkey out of the equation, <laughs> right? We we I mean we got to be in the bottom five. Yeah, easily. Yeah. You know, now yeah. let me ask you this soccer question. Put your coaching hat on for a second and prognosticate down the road with the style of play, with the rotation of players. Uh, with the way that the league is built, 
can we sustain it in your opinion? Yeah, that is my coaching concern is I don't know how deep we really are yet to see can we sustain that amount of intensity within the system that we're playing. Because I don't think we really switched it up so far in the first three or four games. It's pretty much the same thing. Forcing the defense to make mistakes and capitalizing on them, which requires a lot of intensity. What happens when some of those guys get some injuries, which they're going to get? Right. Are, when those next round guys come in, are they going to be able to sustain the same amount of intensity? Or are we going to switch our tactics against our DNA, where the DNA is to go, 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 get it direct to the forward's feet. We lose it. We counter press. We try to trap. Do we have that at the, at the younger levels? I don't know. Jared? That's the million dollar question. We've we've talked about it, and, and you know I I, I agree, and politely uh, politely. Um, <laughs> I love how you qualify. Well, this. I agree. No, I can't wait. But, how do you disagree? But out of the, th- <laughs> they've had they've had some changes in the starting lineup yeah, in three games. The rhythm of how they're going to do it. So so like, the question is is how deep are we? Right. Um, we haven't started ten field players three games in a row the same ten. Yeah. Yeah, I'm but, at, but I think the reserve rush. I think I think that I think the fear would be, and we all know the reality of the situation. It's not fatigue or burnout. What it really is is ankle, knee, bone, something like that. When that happens, There's so many games. Yeah, now now you're really taking it out of the equation. Now, however, let, let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that it's a solid 15, 16, maybe 17 names that at a minimum are physically capable, right? That are going to play the style, play the system, pace because y- you've you've been there, you've seen that you've seen these players. We we've all seen them live now. I've admitted I have admitted on the show a couple times my surprise and just really size. They are big. This is a very big team. If they can stay healthy, do we easily run into the playoffs? And question A, do we run into the playoffs? Question B, how many trees do we really shake in the in the playoffs? And in best case scenario, where do we land? And the thing is, like with collegiate soccer and PSL soccer, no matter what it is, when you're going to play teams multiple times throughout the season, yeah. the, you play the first way, you get away with it. Now they're studying you. They're studying what you're doing. Well, let, what tactical switches are we going to have? We have, I haven't seen a switch anything within the game yet. Well, okay, so I'm going to be devil's advocate here, a uh, little Jared style, mm-hmm. because we've all played the game, right? Yeah. If you play a team for the second time and they come in the way they played the first time, and specifically in the case of City, they are fit, fast, and aggressive, how, how do you realistically, because we've all played on teams that play different styles, if, if they're that athletic, there's not really a lot of system decisions you can make as an opposing coach to counter well, that, that kind of physicality. So we've had three games, right? Right, and we came back. We came back to win. How many of those games? All three. Yeah, we've led the games ever. At the end. Exactly. <laughs> so, like when you're down, your heart, your passion, everything is getting into the game. Well, no, I understand that. So, you're saying that the motivation so I'm saying, of like, our right team. now it's exciting. We're early in the season. We haven't played 25 percent of our games yet. We haven't led and kept the lead. We've been chasing, which fits into our DNA. Our team, you know, just from the college perspective, coaching 15 years, you know, you play some teams, things go right. How does our team play when it's not going right? If we're, not, if we're leading the games, we're controlling the game, can we keep the lead? 
that I mean, you got to wait to about 10, 11 games into this season, and then you really see the DNA. Do you feel good about them? I guess oh, that's yeah, just yeah. to simplify. Absolutely, yeah. The way that they've come out and uh, and and played, and exactly how they were supposed to play, absolutely. And I mean, Luis has the U twenty ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you have the City Two team, and then you have the U twenty ones, and some of the City Two guys. Are, I, Luis is a great coach. He was a St. Louis FC. Yeah. Uh, I've known him for a while. We did the show together. Um, you know, he's he's a great guy. so. I know that he's also developing guys that are younger to come up. I'm just waiting to see because the St. Louis City two players slide in and keep our thing going. Yeah. Because we're going to need it through the long haul. Last city question for me, who's your favorite player? Oh, I mean, Latino. I mean, come on. Uh, young, young so, girl. so Yao Klaus? Yeah. I mean, he's Brazilian. He's not really Latino. He's like Pedro. We, we claim him. <laughs> <laughs> in South America. Hey, can, how do you pronounce his name? I don't know. I, however he wants to Klaus. Be called, however he wants to be called. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, man. Um, really appreciate your time. We're, we're down here, and uh, tri- trivia is about to bang off, and we've taken plenty of your time. And you, and you have a family of uh, what, four and a half. Three and a half. Well, you have oh, family of five. Yeah, five. yeah, yeah you, you, you got everybody sitting there waiting. What, what are you going to pick up tonight, by the way? Uh, so I've, I've lived in, uh, the Baldwin Ellisville year for Ellisville area for like several years, boardwalk pizza. For some reason, I never went in. And ever since then, um, in the last two years, it's become the family fave boardwalk. boardwalk. Pizza. Where, where's board? Where? It's right next to Joe Smigala, my former assistant coach. He was, he was my assistant coach. Uh, when I was at Forest Park, he coached me and then he was, gave me the director of coaching job at Giuliani. smagala has got gastro pit right next door to it. Yeah. It's an awesome place too. No, that was. Um, I know Joe. We all know Joe, don't we? He's uh, he's a, he's a hill icon. <laughs> well, Ricky, thank you for your time. Good luck with the team. We're going to keep up with you, um, kind of as 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 the league as the league comes around because you've got uh, what about a two months? May twentieth is the first home game. Yeah, and home games are at Desmet. Desmet's our home. We'll have to come check that out. Free of charge tickets? No, ten dollars to get in. Kids get in free. Kids get in free. How old is kid? For, if you, if you drove there, you pay. 44, if you 44. drove there, you pay. Drove there. If you okay, didn't drive got there, it. you're free. Got nice. it, man. That's a good. That's a good plan. Yeah. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure, uh, a privilege. Uh, excited about you. Excited about the club. Excited about your family. Um, thank you. Um, uh, much success. Thank um, you. I yeah. hope you get the right players. I hope you guys are competitive in both leagues. Um, take it easy on those city kids. Um, <laughs> uh, give us a break. Um, good luck to you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very keep, much. and keep us posted. We'll you know we'll probably check in later in the fall, kind of see how this season went. Um, don't be a stranger. Let's let's keep it going because you know these are the stories that are, you know I think that our listeners realistically want to hear. Um, so kudos to you to your family, and uh, we'll catch you next time. And thank you for listening. Um, Usual spiel. Thanks Spotify. to your wife. Yeah, thanks to your yeah, wife. Thanks too. to your wife for letting you get out of here Absolutely. with uh, you know having to go get dinner and and then also uh, say hello to your mom. Your mom's an interesting uh, a gal for us. Actually, I think we should have her on. You too. should. Yeah, you should. That would be awesome. You should. I tell you what, if she would do her it, and my brother Martino, you should have them both. We'll yeah, combo. I tell you what, set it up. All right, we're gonna do it. Um, thanks for listening. Give us a follow. Uh, reviews and comments and all that other stuff is super cool too. Uh, we do have brand new on the website. Go check it out at Soccer Dad Pod. Um, it's a Venmo button. So if you want to tip us so that we can 
pay for the beers that we're drinking down here, we'll take that too because we have no shame in oh, asking don't. for beer you, money. You can also get on the Atletico <laughs> website and help them in their plight. Yeah, that they too. have also that too. Uh, they also have <laughs> PayPal. Yeah, we're nonprofit, other things. so donations. Yeah. Yep. tax write off. Te- technically, we're nonprofit too, right, Jared? Uh, I am for fun. <laughs> 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 All right, we are. We're done. We're we're gonna roll. We got a we got a bad dongle here. Thank you for joining us, guys. 